Um, we're going to read the Bible, but you'll find it actually just on the next page. It's the passage um, from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. So you just, all you need to do is just turn the page. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Hello, I'm Roz. Uh, we're going to continue on with the story. I'm going to read the next passage on the next page, which is Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus.
Well, have you ever had someone ask you to just trust them on something, but you had big questions about why you would do that, whether they were actually someone trustworthy? Uh, the other day I was watching one of those really terrible, you know, intentionally quite cheesy Netflix Christmas movies. Um, what else is there to do when there's a huge stack of presents to wrap, really? Uh, but in this particular movie, there was one character who repeatedly says that phrase, just trust me, you've got to trust me, to the other character. Um, but the trouble is that the whole premise of this movie starts with it being revealed that uh, that very character had catfished the other one. So he, you know, pretended to be someone else entirely. So you could just see that all the way through, each time he said, just trust me, you could see her not having any confidence of why she would do that. She'd have this instant aversion to the whole idea of it because she had no reason to see that as a good idea. And something that always strikes me in these passages that we've just read is on the complete opposite side to how that character was responding, we see what a deep and extraordinary trust Mary and Joseph both show in how they respond to what they're hearing from these different messengers. It takes this extraordinary trust in God for Joseph and Mary to get on board with what they're hearing. And so I wonder, what is it that's given them both the confidence, the certainty that God is so trustworthy? Because in that first passage from Luke's Gospel, Mary is called to trust much, to trust in the fact that it is a good thing that she's hearing from this angel, because I think that would have been a pretty scary experience, actually. Um, she trusts that she will have this baby, even though she wasn't expecting that that could be possible. And she trusts that through this baby, God would be bringing his own son, a saviour, into the world. And then in those words uh, you've got on your pages from Matthew's Gospel, we see Joseph, you know, despite his first instinct to end things with Mary quietly, we see him showing enough trust that he would stick with Mary because this baby that she would have would be God with us, God with all of us. So how is it that both these people are so readily able to trust God, so readily able to get on board with the things that they're hearing? Well, I was really struck by this one simple sentence that seems to capture it. It's in verse 37 in that reading from Luke that we just heard, where it says, "'No word from God will ever fail.'" Mary and Joseph, you know, they both knew the Lord and they had seen throughout the scriptures that God, time and again, he makes promises that he unfailingly keeps. And in Mary's eyes, when she's reminded that no word from God will ever fail, it seems as, this, as though this is just so plainly true to her that she responds by declaring that she is God's servant in all of this. It's hard to go with it when an unreliable person asks you to trust them. But God showing himself to always be trustworthy, that's what gives these people, these two people, such confidence to get on board with what they're hearing and look forward to God bringing a saviour into the world through their very own son. I'm going to lead us in one of those short prayers now, just responding to the things that we've just read uh, in scripture. Dear Heavenly Father, it is so extraordinary to look back on your words to your people and see such a trustworthiness, to witness the reality proven time and again that no word from you will ever fail. Teach us day by day to see the certainty of your words and promises to us about Jesus and to entrust ourselves to him, our King and Saviour. Amen. We're going to sing two carols now. The first of those is, O come all you faithful. So please stand and join us.
Continue by singing Angels We Have Heard on High.
We'll continue um, reading from the book of Luke. So just turn to the next page. It's Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned 
glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Good evening. I get to reflect on that passage a little bit. As I read that through this afternoon, I thought, what do you think? What do we think about shepherds? When you think the word shepherd, what comes into your mind? Now, what I think, what I imagine is usually someone who looks after sheep. You know, I'm smart that way. Uh, And sheep are not known for being intelligent or ferocious, okay? If you have a good dog and a big stick, basically you're pretty much in control of sheep, aren't you? The classic picture of a biblical shepherd is, is, a, is a person, a man standing out in, with a keffiyeh on, one of those, you know, your Middle Eastern hats, in white robes, looking serenely over a meadow uh, with a placid flock. And it's all green and white and beautiful. Now, so much of that picture is wrong. The Middle East largely is not an area of green grass, and in particular the area around Bethlehem is steep and stony and rocky and hard and dusty and dirty. It's a rough, dirty area. You'd have to be actually fit and tough to be a shepherd. And while it is true that that sheep are neither intelligent nor ferocious, the animals that hunt sheep there are. They're both of those things. The wild dogs, the bears and the lions were all common and shepherds had to be able to look after their flock by dealing with them, to protect them. Are you getting the picture here? They are tough, they're fit. Fearless, maybe a bit over the top, but at least they're bone cunning about how to deal with these sorts of things. So the question that came out as I read this was, what would make people like that terrified? The angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified, he says in verse 8 and 9. You see, we so often have another picture wrong. We have this picture of angels and we think of angels as these cute little things, again, usually dressed in white and lovely beautiful wings coming out of them, nice and safe on top of our tree or wherever it might be, fluttering around and being nice. But this angel was not like this. He terrified these tough shepherds. And then he says, don't be afraid. Now, in the Bible, when someone is told, don't be afraid, it's usually because there is something to be very, very afraid of. But not this time. This time, the angel, an angel just means messenger, it doesn't necessarily mean all the wings and all of that sort of stuff. The angel brings great news. The reason he says not to be afraid is not that he, he doesn't look terrifying, but the angel brings such good tidings. Just chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. See, for us, to you, to to those who listen, the Saviour and the King has come, born in Bethlehem. And then, to top that off, God's army appears. Chapter 3, verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God. You see, this is God's army 
in the translation we read tonight, it says the great company of the heavenly host. It sort of, it gives you the idea, really, it sounds like just a really nice big choir, doesn't it? Up there singing away. No, this is God's army coming forward and proclaiming and singing. And what is it singing? Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. You see, this is a song sung by the army, not of battle, but of peace. Peace on earth. Peace to all whom God chooses to show his peace to God's own people who receive his son Jesus as Saviour and Lord. And that is the good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you bring us joy in this celebration of the birth of your only Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that we who joyfully receive him as our Redeemer may with sure confidence behold him when he comes to be our Judge, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We're going to continue singing carols, um, and we're going to start with Hark the Herald Angels Sing, so please stand and join us. Born that man no more may die. Born 
realms of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Continue with a little town of Bethlehem.
Uh, we're going to continue with our readings um, from Luke chapter 2. So this one follows straight on from the last one we heard um, just after Jesus has been born. So it's Luke 2, 21 to 40. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Well, Roz read for us in those few verses of a man called Simeon, an old man, a man who was living on borrowed time, really. He's one whose days are fast drawing to a close. It's only God's promise that he wouldn't die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah that is keeping him going. Uh, Simeon is a man who, it seems, has spent most of his life waiting for consolation, now, we don't speak much of consolation now, do we? Consolation is that comfort that is offered to someone in the face of great loss and disappointment, despair even. Who hasn't been waiting for a little bit of consolation the last couple of years? For most of us, the last two years have been marked by quite a bit of impatient and anxious waiting waiting under the cloud of ever-threatening disappointment or loss. Disappointment, perhaps, of abandoned plans or loss of opportunity. But Simeon's, his whole life had been marked 
by this kind of unresolved, unsettled waiting, waiting for the one through whom God would display his tender mercy, waiting for the one through whom God would shed light upon a darkened world, waiting for the one through whom God would make his grace and his forgiveness known. And as Simeon's eyes settled on that infant, the baby Jesus in his arms, Simeon at last glimpses the consolation that he'd been waiting for. Simeon sees in the flesh the one who will bring comfort in the face of loss and in the face of despair. Simeon, as he looked down at that infant in his arms, could easily have said of that baby Jesus those wonderful words that we just sung a moment ago in our previous carol. The hopes and the fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The hopes and the fears of every past year that we've waited through are met and answered in the birth of this one child, the Lord Jesus, who we gather together this evening to honour and to celebrate. Pray with me. Dearest Heavenly Father, you are attentive to all of the hopes and the fears that each of us endure. We praise you that you've not left these hopes and fears of ours unanswered or unacknowledged, but that you meet them with forgiveness, grace and compassion in the very person of your Son. Open our waiting, wearied eyes that we might see in Jesus the dawning light of our own consolation. We ask that while we yet wait to see Jesus with our own eyes, you might also fill our own hearts with all joy and peace in believing as we await him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing another two carols. We're going to start with What Child Is This? So please stand and join us. Child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthem sweet, while shepherds watch are keeping. This, this is Christ the King, who shepherds God and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, come peasant king to Christ is king, the babe, the son. 
Well, friends, that almost brings us to the end of our time, at least gathered inside the building together. Just a few things to draw your attention to, though, before we finish with our final carol. 
Uh, inside your orders of service, your booklets, you might have noticed this loose bit of paper that has a QR code on it. Uh, they're everywhere. They've overtaken us, haven't they, the QR codes? Uh, the one that you'll find there on the loose bit of paper is one that you can give us feedback here at the church, or you can ask questions about what we do throughout the year. We'd love for you to connect with us uh, at the end of this evening. And perhaps you'd like to scan that now. You might have a question about other things that we are doing over the course of January and into the new year. Perhaps there's some feedback that you'd like to give us or a question you'd like to ask of the ministry staff and myself here at Sammy Hill Church. That's a way that you can connect with us uh, and we do hope that you'll be able to do that uh, as you head off this evening. Uh, tomorrow we will have our Christmas celebration service at 9.30 in the morning. Uh, if you're here a little bit early this evening, just before this service, you might have noticed the kids' talk that was going on with the puppet theatre just out the front. Well, this morning, tomorrow morning, sorry, Christmas Day, we'll have another talk with some of the same visitors for the kids uh, here during the service. And so we'd love you to come along and bring the kids with you. Uh, it's the kind of service that the kids can relax into. You don't need to be anxious uh, about them being excited and a little bit worked up on Christmas Day. That's just how it is, isn't it? Uh, after the service, um, after we sing our next carol, uh, we're going to head outside. You're more than welcome to hang around inside and have a chat, uh, as long as you keep the masks on inside. But once you head out, you're more than wel welcome to take off the masks uh, and in just a few moments after the end of the service, we'll have some ice cream being served. And so please do make the most of that and enjoy that before you head off for the evening and enjoy your Christmas Eve. Thanks so much for having joined us over the course of this evening. We do hope that we might see some of you as well tomorrow morning for Christmas Day. But I'm going to hand back over to the Musos, who will finish off the evening for us with our final carol. Please stand and join us as we sing Joy to the World.
Actually, you don't have to take a seat if you don't want to. <laughs> you can head straight outside and enjoy chatting and socialising and enjoying some Christmas ice cream.
Angel sing. Hot